Welcome to the future. Welcome to the future. Part three. I hope the first two parts have been encouraging to you. I, uh, I, I've, I've felt it very necessary to uh, jump into this idea of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Um, because not only is it uh, some of the last words Jesus ever spoke, but they were some of the most important words Jesus ever spoke. That's why it's so important to come back to this and, and, and ask ourselves, are we in line with what he's called us to do or not? And that's really the purpose of this series, to make sure that we're seeing what his vision is for our lives. So welcome to the future, everybody. Um, I'm going to start with this scripture this week. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week we talked about some of the things that were a little bit scary about Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And this week I'm going to talk about a little bit more that's a little bit ugh, about Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Uh, but if your heart and your head are open, your hands are open to receive, God will speak something very good, very kind to you. If you're a first-timer with us, God bless you. I'm glad you're here. You're joining us at the jail. Maybe it's the first time that you've joined us. Man, we're so glad that you are, are here. Uh, but everybody, I'm glad you're here. Come on, can we welcome everybody joining us online, joining us right here in person. We love you all very much. Uh, and so maybe a sensitive subject, <clears throat> what's a witness? <laughs> a witness is someone who tells the truth about what has happened. Um, anybody else in the room hate it when someone lies about you? Isn't that so frustrating? Did that ever happen to you when you were in school? Someone said things. Or maybe at work, someone lies about you. Maybe in your own house, someone lies about you. Here, here's maybe a better question. How often are you a good witness to yourself? How often do you lie to yourself, let alone other people lying to you? These are rhetorical questions. <laughs> no need to say anything out loud. But I want to encourage you, wrestle with this. Just begin to wrestle, all right? How do you talk to yourself? How do you talk to others? Are, are you a truth teller? Or are you a liar? Are you actually bringing out facts or are you just leaning in on how you feel? It's an important question, isn't it? Uh, here's some thoughts for you. You will be my witnesses is scary for a lot of people. It's scary for me. Even, yeah, even for me. You know, I'm not walking into, uh, walking into, I'm not driving through the sonic drive through being like, do you know Jesus? Uh, what do you, what, just tell me your order. Oh, a root four to four of the love of God. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing that, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. But I, I think we get this misconception, this misunderstanding of what this means. I'm going to show you what it means today. But I think we get a misunderstanding. And, and so here are some of the things. Now, 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 these things are realities, but they're weak. They're, re, they're weak realities, all right? So let me, let me show you some, some of these uh, reasons. Um, we're, we, 
You'll be my witness is a little bit scary because we're afraid of being rejected or we fear. We're afraid of someone, how they will respond to what I've said. You'll be my witnesses is a little bit scary because we're afraid of being attacked or if I say anything, I might lose a friend or I might lose a job. You know, a lot of, a lot of middle schoolers and high schoolers, this is a big deal, losing friends because oh, I can't tell them that I'm a Christian. I, I can't talk about this at all. Here's another one. Because religion is private. Don't talk to me. Come on. If you have human resources at your job, what do they tell you not to talk about? Politics and religion. Politics and religion. All right? Uh-oh. It's private. I better not say anything about this. Or it's just weird. It's weird to talk about this. I ain't no Bible-thumping holy roller. Might be better off if you were, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, because I'll get ridiculed. Now, this is, that is for real. Like This is partly why people only say they're a Christian on social media. Because you can erase those comments pretty quick. But if you're face-to-face -face with someone and, and then you try and be a witness of Jesus, woo, that's tough. Ridiculed or, or, you know what, they do know I'm afraid to talk about this. They know I'm afraid. Uh, because you've tried in the past and you have failed or, I don't have the answers, Pastor. I don't have all the answers, Pastor. I was, I was meeting with a guy a, a couple of weeks ago that asked me a question. I wish I could remember the question. Now I can't remember it. But he asked me a question. I was like, I don't have any idea. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't love Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus. And I'm meeting with him about once every other week, once every three weeks. And, uh, and he asked me a question I didn't even know how to answer. You know, oftentimes people are not looking for the answer to their question. They're, they're hoping you can help them deal with what's underneath. Did you know that? That's typically the issue in your marriage. Is not what you just brought up, but what's underneath that. That was for free, by the way. Um, and then finally, because I'm unsure or, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to say the wrong thing. Do any of these resonate with you? Do you find yourself, is there a landing pad for anybody in this room, anybody online that, that you would say, yeah, it's scary because of one of these particular? I would bet there is. I would bet there is. And this is a challenge. It's something we need to wrestle with. Okay? We need to wrestle with this. It's too important not to. <clears throat> there is a guy named Athenagoras. Athenagoras, all right? It is a Greek name. And in uh, somewhere between A.D. 120 and A.D. 200, he wrote a response to a scathing letter that was written, this document that was proclaimed throughout the Greek and Roman empires, that, that Christians are a disease, and we should destroy them all. Okay? There, there was a document that was written like that. And this guy, who's not a Christian, he's not a Christian, he is a, a, a secular historian, and he came out in response and said, now hold on a second, hold on a second, these Christians aren't as bad as what you're saying. They're not as bad as what you're saying. 
He said, because in a lot of ways they're the same, but they're also different. They're also different. Uh, I want to invite you into understanding that if you claim to be a Christian in this room, yes, you are the same, but you're different from people who are not Christians. You're the same, but you're different. Let me show you how. Uh, You live in the same cities, but you're not citizens of the United States. You are citizens of heaven. That's how you are different. You're the same because you'll go and, and fight for this country, but you're a citizen of heaven. You know, remind yourself, this isn't a three-day weekend that's like, yippee! No, this is Memorial Day is to remember those, to remember those who laid down their life for your freedom. So Christians are the same yet different. Here's another one. We speak the same languages, but when we love others, we're persecuted. That's what was happening in the world between A.D. 100 and, well, really, from the moment Jesus arrived to today. Like, listen, Christian in the room, you might sometimes think you're being persecuted, okay? But uh, people who are really being persecuted live over in the Philippines. They, They live in the Muslim nations. And they're getting their hands cut off. For their relationship with Jesus. <laughs> Just because somebody says to you, you're an idiot. That's, is that the same as getting a hand chopped off anybody? No. So there's these levels that we think through. Well, that's my persecution. All right. These guys, they would love people really well. And then they would take them and throw them in a pit with lions. These, these people were unbelievable. They're unbelievable, just like you are. Unbelievable. Um, Back in that time, it was legal. If you had a child that you didn't want, you could take him out into the wilderness and leave it for dead. And hey, if they're alive tomorrow, then obviously the gods wanted them to be alive. And so Mother Nature will raise them and take care of them. But if they don't continue to live, then obviously... Uh, Mother Nature didn't want them to live. That was the mindset. Very similar to, to abortion, except waiting until after they are born. And what did Christians do? Christians began to go out into the highways and byways and find all of these children who were abandoned by their families and would take them into their own homes. And then they'd be persecuted for it. Isn't that wild? Uh, Same yet yet different. They worked the same jobs, but many of them were poor, but they made others rich just with the atmosphere that they brought into the room. They made others rich with the hope of Jesus Christ. They made others rich with the joy and peace that come in Jesus. They made others rich. Same yet different. Here's another one. Same yet different. They followed the laws, but privately... Privately, their laws were greater than any of the laws of the land. That's phenomenal. Isn't it? I mean, I, I, hope, I hope you find this so inspiring and at the same time a little bit weird that 
these people who are so kind and, and thoughtful, and even though this is not their home anymore, that heaven is their home, they wanted to take care of this home to the best of their ability. That it, I mean, isn't that wild that, that they would be persecuted, that they would be killed, that they would be fed to lions, that, that they would be crucified or stoned to death, that they would be put into, in, in, into to, to these cauldrons, if you will, into these big bowls of iron uh, with, with uh, heated oil. I mean, it was crazy. Can you, I, I would, would anybody else in the room struggle to continue to be a Christian if that's what we were facing in America? And the answer is, Ooh, right? That's some scary stuff, man. So they were, they were the same, yet different. See, the Greeks and Romans worshiped gods who? Worship God. So I just want to give you some history, and then I'm going to get into some application. Worship gods who were humans at their worst would be described as humans at their worst. And that's who the Greeks and Romans worshipped. <laughs> uh, these gods lied, cheated, and murdered. These gods committed adultery, and, and, and they celebrated it. These gods were resentful and bitter towards one another and towards those who worshipped them. And finally, these gods were angry and jealous of one another and the people that were supposed to worship them. Christians didn't think this way at all about their God. Not even close. And these worshipers of these false gods did not like how different the Christians were. In fact, in a word, you could use the word peculiar. Anybody use that on a consistent basis? Peculiar. That's a fun word. They were peculiar, and they worshiped and served a peculiar God. Peculiar means different, drastically different. That was the beauty of the Christian in A.D. 120 to 200 to 2021. Now, who did Jesus teach was actually God? And you're going to see very quickly how different this is. You probably already know. But it, our God is so different than this. <laughs> Thank you, God. He's so different. And this, this teaching of Jesus, I almost fell backwards. You see that? This teaching of Jesus opened the eyes to the ancient world who did not understand. They couldn't comprehend a God that loved them, a God that died for them, a God that heals them. <laughs> what did Jesus teach? Well, Jesus is different than all other gods. Why? Because he taught that God loves humans unconditionally. That has not changed in the last 2,000 years. He loves you unconditionally. Jesus taught that God became man to die for mankind. The Greeks and Romans didn't believe that about their gods. They, they were lucky for, for their God to not kill them, let alone die for them. This is turning the ancient world upside down. And isn't it wild that this still turns our world upside down? Isn't that interesting? Uh, Jesus also taught that God's generous yet never vengeful. 
What does that mean? That he will be generous to you and you can deny him and he won't take revenge. Wow. God is merciful and full of grace. Mercy is when I don't receive the punishment I should. And grace is when I receive the blessings that I really shouldn't. That's this God that Jesus teaches. And finally, God hates sin because sin hurts us. Now, maybe you're asking yourself, what does this have to do with welcome to the future? Well, here's the issue. If we don't get our eyes fixed on Jesus, then our history as humans will repeat itself. And we'll go right back to the idea of the Greeks and Romans. We might not worship Zeus and Hercules and Achilles and Athena and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We may not worship them, but we'll worship something like them. We'll get our eyes fixed on things like them. <laughs> so I want to I show you a story Jesus told and then give you some application, okay? Jesus is having this conversation with, with people who knew all about God, if you will, um, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the time. And he's having a conversation with them <clears throat> along with having, the, having this conversation with a, a whole bunch of people that weren't Pharisees. They just wanted to listen to Jesus teach. And from the message paraphrase, I want to show you this beautiful story. Uh, you'll probably recognize it pretty quick. Jesus said there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Daddy! I want right now what's coming to me. To which, in my day, that would have been a spanking. <laughs> oh, you do, boy? <laughs> yeah, what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between the oldest son and the next son. Okay, it's just two sons. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. And there, undisciplined and dissipated he wasted everything he had <laughs> if you were a child you might do the same thing maybe as an adult you do the same thing and Jesus is leaning in there's more to the story but he's leaning in on this idea of whether or not God is a loving God Let's find out in the way Jesus tells the story. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to feel it. Just, just a, 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 a quick little rabbit trail here. Something to remind yourself of. Is you can go and you can love the world and be in the world and do all the things that the world does. And what will happen is, you'll find that it's lacking. That it does not provide fulfillment for your life. You'll find that you're broke at the end of it. Maybe financially, but for sure, spiritually and mentally and emotionally. Okay? <laughs> he signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry 
he would have. It's like me and you, right? We're longing for fulfillment somewhere. And I'm telling you, when you get your eyes off of Jesus, you will find a counterfeit fulfillment. And all it'll do is leave you emptier than before you leaned into it. And so what will we do? We'll try and go back to that well that's full of, full of salt water and we'll drink from it again and we'll, we'll feel like, ooh, the moisture that I just received. And then we'll be thirstier afterwards because it was filled with salt. And that's what happens in the Christian, listen now, that's what happens in the world. You chase after things that just leave you thirstier. This dude was hungry for pig slop. Yuck. Hungry that he would have eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would give him any. He couldn't find fulfillment. Well, that brought him to his senses. That's why we say, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to hit rock bottom before you can come up, right? This is rock bottom. If it ain't rock bottom to eat pig slop, I don't know what's going to be rock bottom for you. Because that's gross. All those farmhands working for my daddy sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going back to my dad. I'll say to him, Dad, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve. And this is a true statement. He doesn't deserve for his dad to welcome him back. Now listen to me. I want you to, I want you to feel the culture. I want, you, I want you to feel the heaviness of the moment. As Jesus is sharing this story, the Pharisees and all the typical people that they don't have, you know, all the books of the Bible memorized like all the Pharisees would, okay? They're, they're all sitting around listening to this, and they're like, yeah, he doesn't deserve it. You, you need to hear this commentary. Like, you need to hear how they're responding to the story. Absolutely, that kid, I disown that kid. That's what they're saying. In Jewish culture, that's exactly what would happen in those days. Fine, fine. You want it? No. But they were, they were shocked from the very beginning when they said, the dad gave him, he already gave him part of his fortune? What? You don't do that. They're already shocked. And now this crowd, they're getting, they're getting frustrated. They can't believe it. Oh, if he, if he came back to my house, I'm saying, no, you can't come in. Here I am starving to death. I'm going back. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he got right up and went home to his father. You, you, do you ever uh, practice the speeches that you know you need to make to somebody? <laughs> Preparing yourself in advance. I've got to have this hard conversation. Okay, I'm ready. Have you ever gone into one of those conversations and you start going and then it just blows up in your face? I had all this thing prepared and ready, and now it's, it's over. Just me. So look at how Jesus uh, finishes the story. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. Now understand, his, he, him, see, this is the father, this is the son. And the father's sitting on his porch having some lemonade in the, in the cool of the day. Had made the habit to sit out on his porch every day. 
hoping, believing that his son would one day return. Remember, the Jewish people listening to Jesus are like, wow, what? He did what? See, the, their pride would have said, you come to me and we'll see. You grovel on hands and knees and we'll see. You, okay, I might let you become a hired hand, but I, I'll tell you what, I don't know if I'm going to pay you. You're going to be the least paid in, in my farm hands. That's what the crowd around Jesus would have been saying. But Jesus said, that's not, that's not what his dad does. My daddy, my daddy jumps off the porch. I love the emotion that's in this. Heart pounding. You, you ever have that moment you haven't seen a loved one for a long time? And then you see him and you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> that's God and you. But that's not just God and you. That's God and everyone that you know. He's sitting on the porch in our lives, waiting for you to come over the hill, and he's going to sprint. Woo! He's going to sprint to you. <laughs> Heart pounding, embraces his lost son and kisses him. Then the son started his speech, Dad, I've sinned against God and I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. And neither do I. And neither do you. And neither does anybody that you know. So how does Jesus describe the father? How does he respond to his son saying this? Remember the culture, the people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And Jesus says, but the father wasn't listening. He was already calling to his servants. Quick, <laughs> bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. We're going to have a party. My son is here. He was given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. <laughs> That's how Jesus feels about you individually. How he feels about me. That's how our God, our Father in heaven, feels about you. Crazy about you. Absolutely in love with you. Unconditionally. Full of mercy and grace. For you. For you. And too often what we do is we take the past and we make it a place of residence instead of a place of reference. And in fact, I would even say that, when, that we do this so much as Christians that we get to a place that we can't even share how good our God is with someone who doesn't know God. Because we camp, we set up a house here in the past. In the past. Listen, when your eyes are fixed on your past 
how on earth are you going to help others get past their past? When, you are, when your eyes are fixed on what you did, how on earth can you open your heart and tell somebody about what God is doing? It's, it's hard, isn't it? It's a challenge. So remember, th- this church exists to bring an anthem of hope to our community. Do you know we've been doing that for a long time? 98 years this church has been around. Trying to bring hope to a community. Can I just tell you, I'm not satisfied with the amount of hope that we bring to people. And I would bet that in this moment, you're not fully satisfied with it either. That there are moments you say, oh, if I could just, if I had the right, there's there's something more. Or maybe you're the crowd around Jesus saying, no, they had their chance. It's always shocking to me when I hear Christians say, you know what we need to do? We just need to level all those Muslim countries. Just turn, turn their nations into just, it's already sand, but just turn it into nothing. Remember that song? I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. See, there's a lot of history of reaching people in this this church, in this community. What uh, What does your history look like? Since you've experienced Jesus in your life, what does your history look like? How are you bringing hope into the lives of others? Are you bringing hope? Are you bringing hope? See, we, we, get, we, we start wrestling with this whole idea of our past, and it, and it kind of locks us into a box. Don't say, why were the old days better than these? For it's not from wisdom that you ask a question. See, when I met Jesus... My heart was instantly moved. But it took time for the outside person that I am to transform. Now he immediately started working on the inside. And there were days where I was like, put my right foot in, but take my right foot out. Nah, I'll put my right foot in and I'll shake it all about. I'll do the holy Jesus. (laughs) And he turned my life around. I'm just making it up as I go along. You know what I mean? I mean, just see if I if I get stuck in the past, focusing on what he has quote unquote saved me from instead of what he has saved me for, I'll just stay in the past. I'll go right back to it. That that was a really good place to say Amen. <laughs> All right. Uh, welcome to the future, everybody. Every daily decision, no matter how small it may seem, has the possibility of impacting our lives forever. The disciples uh, made a decision, daily decisions every single day. What will I do differently today to reach one more person with the hope of Jesus? <laughs> See, we get our eyes and our minds fixed on the idea that we start asking ourselves the question, is pastor telling me that I need to start, you know, putting on 
slacks and a white shirt and a black tie and go uh, door to door and, and, and ask people if they know Jesus? No. No. It, it isn't going to work. But I will tell you this of those, uh, those Mormons. At least they're asking somebody. <laughs> Doesn't that feel good? Oh, Lord, thanks for guilt. Thanks, thanks for shame, Lord. We praise the maker. We just... No, see, there, there, there's an issue here. Uh, when failure is in our past, it makes us afraid to live right now. And if my daily decisions are leading me towards my past failures, how on earth can I ever be a, a witness? Listen now, what's a witness? Someone who tells the truth about what has happened. What has Jesus done in you? Tell, tell the truth about it. <laughs> you may not be the person you want to be, but thank you, Jesus, you're not the person who you used to be. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody. Don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. No, he says, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Don't, do you not perceive it? I bet a, a bunch of us in this room and people who, are, who will come to the 930 and the 11, people at the jail right now, people who, who join us online, I bet there have been moments since you've attended this church where you have said something new is happening in me. And if that is true, let's not keep the new to ourselves. It's too good. It's too important. This is an elephant. Uh, in a conversation with my brother last week, he was uh, talking to me on Monday about the gestation period, the pregnancy period that elephants have. And it's anywhere between 18 and 24 months. Moms? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it makes sense. They're literally building a house in, inside of them. You know what I mean? Like, they are building a huge animal. There, there are, are times in our lives where we become pregnant with what God would have us to do next. But if we aren't good at telling our story, if we cannot come to a place where, where we actually long to bring hope to others. Listen, I have a whole lot of intentions. Anybody else? I intended to clean out the garage last week. I intended to weed the garden yesterday. I intended to clean out my car. I intended to start working out. I intended to go and get counseling because I'm messing my life up with my decisions. I intended to lean all the way in with Jesus. Your intentions mean nothing. They mean nothing. In fact, you may have heard it uh, here a while ago or, or recently. The direction, not intention, determines your destination. 
So here's a direction that we are taking. And then application very quickly because I need to get done. We're going to soon be launching our campus in Garnett. Very, very soon. Do you know why, everybody? Because they need hope too. Well, pastors, there's, pastor, there's, already, there's already a bunch of churches there in Garnett. You know what? There are some good churches in Garnett. But do you know we've got like 35 people, 40 people that drive to Ottawa from Garnett every week? Isn't that incredible? And there are people who are attending in Ottawa from Garnett who continuously tell our staff, man, I've been inviting people to come to church. And they're like, hey, we would like to, but that's a drive for us. So what do they start doing? They start joining us online. What, what, do, they, what do they start doing? They start, they start inviting them to their connect groups in advance. See, this is something that we decided about two years ago to do, and then we started moving forward, moving forward, moving forward. What happened? Don't say it. It's a cuss word. I'll say it for you. 2020 slash COVID happened. We can't wait anymore. We can't wait anymore. There's a story that Jesus wants to tell through us. Through us. See, this whole Acts 1 verse 8 says that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Garnet's our Judea. Next week I'm going to talk about our Samaria, but Garnet's our Judea. We want to reach it. Why? Because we want to reach more people more quickly. More people more quickly, man. I am not satisfied with the amount of hope that we are providing for people. I want to provide more. And I think you do too. Let me show you how. Our story inspires hope in others. You got to write fast. Our story inspires hope in others. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we pray for you, for we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all God's people. When the true message, the good news, first came to you, you heard about the hope it offers. And then it says, your faith and love are based on what you hope for. We bring an anthem of hope to our community. Now, we can't just do it by being this building. We've got to do it outside these four walls. So, ask yourself some good questions. Am I inspiring hope in others? Am I inspiring hope in others? Am I generous with my finances? Am I sharing my story with others? Am I connected to a group? Am I serving on a dream team? If your answer is no to any of these, then God is looking to stretch you. You, you want to do your very best to bring hope to others? Let the answer to all five of these be yes. Let the answer be yes. 
and you will bring an amazing amount of hope. You will. You will. Second one, our hope requires our action. There's got to be action, everybody. There's got to be action. Just intention don't do nothing. Look, look at, uh, I love 2 Corinthians 2.15. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. What kind of fragrance is rising up to God from you? Eggs? Come on. Come on. Death? Some of y'all, you've been Christians for a long time. What's rising up to God? Maybe you've been a Christian for a short time. What's rising up to God? <laughs> I love this. I'll bring hope to others through the actions of invitation, connection, and prayer. All three of those are incredible actions. Incredible actions. Listen, you don't know what to say to someone, but you know in your heart, man, I really need to share my story with them. Pray about it. Start praying about it. God, give me some words to say. You know what's going to happen? You know, a lot of people are like, God don't speak anymore in 2021. He doesn't speak anymore. Ask him, what, what should I say to that person? And all of a sudden, your mind's going to be filled with words. You're going to be like, why did I pray that? Watch. 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 Finally, number three, our hope requires our words. Actions speak louder than words, but we've got to have the right words. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. You don't need to attack anybody on social media or in person. Keep your conscience clear, then if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Last blanks and we're done. I'll speak hope to others by starting conversations, asking good questions, listening intently, and telling my story. You want, you want an easy way to start talking to people about Jesus. You don't got to go into it saying, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, what do you think? There's a lot of good, nice people in the world who are good and nice just because they were told to be good and nice. But there needs to be more people in the world who are good and nice because of the hope Jesus has given them. Last thing, I'm done. Jesus won't turn back the clock on your story, but he sure can redeem it. He sure can redeem it. And you need to take this redeemed story and tell somebody about it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus, what'd you say to us in that message? Go ahead and ask him, everybody. Jesus, what'd you say to me in that message? What'd he say to you, everybody? Is he talking to you about your next step, about about what we should be doing next. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're willing, open your hands so the palms are facing the ceiling. You don't have to raise them high. They can just be right there in your lap. 
And let me pray over you. Jesus, right now, I pray that anyone in this room who has not accepted you as their Savior, that right now they would accept you. That they would choose to believe and receive your love. That they would choose to believe that Jesus is the Savior. That he died and rose again. So our hands are open to receive from you, God, whatever that may be. And so this week I pray courage into each of us. I pray we would use our words for good, for life, not for bad and not for death. I pray you would strengthen us and bless us, that you would pour anointing out on us, that we would just simply ask some good questions. That we would just simply choose to talk to people. That we would listen well, Lord. That we would begin telling our story. Give us the courage that we need. And give us the anointing in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Come on, everybody. Stand with me if you would. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. You got the third service treatment today. I just didn't stop. I just kept on going. Thank you so much for listening to Hope Anthem Weekend Messages here on Spotify. We exist to bring an anthem of hope to our community, and we do that by being a church anyone can come to. Be sure to follow us here on Spotify and turn on notifications so you never miss a new podcast episode. We love you. See you next week.